0: As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverseimpact.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time.
0: And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Last dunked-on episode of the 2010s. The 20-teens. We are... Freed from the tyranny of weird decade names uh, starting on January 1st, uh, which is good. Got a lot of nice content out there for you uh, on Patreon. We did a gamer last week about that. Also, I went through and picked out my favorite dunks of the decade and made a YouTube playlist on it. That's available to Patreon subscribers uh, as well. So go check that out, patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. Also, a new Hollinger and Duncan episode is out. We talked about our most confusing players in the NBA, also eliminated teams from the playoffs, and John talked about... What first surprised him when he got into the league uh, with the Grizzlies after having written for ESPN for a while. But now's the time to catch up on a little news. And let us begin here in Sacramento with Dwayne Dedman apparently quite unhappy with the limited role of late.
0: Yeah, and it it makes sense. Dedman signed that three-year, $41 million contract with Sacramento. Not all of that final season is guaranteed, but it was a significant deal. He presumably had other offers on the table and was almost immediately supplanted by Rashawn Holmes. And good for Dedman to get that money and and to be in the circumstance, but I can understand why he's unhappy with it. And it could lead to some interesting ripple effects because if this counts, and I would think that it would as a public trade request— he might get fined. Now I think he's okay with that, you know, like making it clear that he's out. and And a lot of times, I could imagine that teams might not be as as engaged like front offices in the idea that a player who signed that recently would want to be traded. So I think this could be a, one word be worthwhile from his perspective. Should that fine come?
1: You know, fifty thousand dollars is the precedent here. That's what. It- Anthony Davis got fined when Rich Paul said that. Now, worth noting the semantics here. He says, I would like to be traded. I don't know if that's quite to the level of a trade demand. It's stating a preference. I'm guessing the legal probably say that it is because it's i mean the reason they don't you're not allowed to do that is because they just don't want the negative headlines and that of course was caused here but i think the the greater question is just worth recounting what's happened with deadman he's shooting only 22 percent from three he was brought in to be a fit with marvin bagley who has had his own intermittent playing time remember bagley went down with that thumb injury in the first game of the season and or maybe it was a hand injury Hammer, but they got completely blown out. They start 0-5 getting completely blown out. But the whole point of him is to fit with Bagley because he can shoot and then protect the rim on the other end, which is a rare combination in theory. But he's been shooting extremely poorly and he's played two games since the beginning of December. And mostly because he just hasn't been shooting the ball and teams haven't been guarding him. He shot 38% from downtown last year with Atlanta. Are you willing to say that he is just done and a toxic asset bad contract now uh, or could he be worth something are the king's right to not be playing him at this point
0: i don't think of him as as done or anything like that i mean this is such a small sample relative to what he's done and remember also the deadman i brought up the three year 31 figure only 1 million of that final season is guaranteed and also remember that 2020 cap space is not that valuable so
1: three years 41 it's sorry like...
0: three years 41 yeah, yeah thank thank you for the correction uh so the yeah i mean it's it might it might be that it's an overpay but i don't think it's a heinous one and so you know for one of those one of those teams that doesn't really need 2020 space maybe they have an expiring contract it might be a little bit of a push for cleveland because they actually could theoretically have cap space but you know like there there are teams that i think would be better with deadman than the other options that are there however Uh, how about how about his
1: former home
0: absolutely i mean and and the hawks have more 2020 cap space than they know what to do with um it's about my preliminary estimate for them is 73 million so yeah i mean they could they could use 13.3 13.3 of that on Deadman and I think they'd be totally fine for it, and I think he'd make him better for this year which could be beneficial. Now, Sacramento it, it, they're kind of in the in the space of well what is what is moving him obviously gets him off the books and it gets him out of town and all that. So, I I actually think that this is a an unusual circumstance where an in a, a first year trade makes some sense and as long like As long as other teams don't play too hardball here, basically seeing how Sacramento, you know, how, how bad the situation is and trying to like get assets, I think that somebody could end up doing pretty well here so
1: Deadman, as of now yeah 22 percent from three that's terrible the net rating when he was on the floor was terrible but uh, we're talking about a sample of four games started at 312 minutes and he's 11 of 48 from three I'm gonna guess that he hasn't just completely lost it over uh, having turned 30 and yeah Rashawn Holmes has outplayed him that has made the decision for Luke Walton easy about who's gonna start and then Bagley being injured and and then coming back it's also been easy but Bagley now is playing nearly exclusively at center he's got fit issues next to Rashawn Holmes offensively so I'm not sure and then they also have all these power forwards too and Bagley needs to play so that's part of why Dedmon is out of the rotation those power forwards have been playing better than him as well and Bagley should be back hopefully from a a midfoot sprain in the next week or so he he's struggled as we talked about in the 15 and 60 a bit ago so yeah, I think I might be trying to trade for him, especially because nobody's trying to do anything with 2020 cap space anyway, and you can get off of him for $1 million in the summer of 2021. Uh, we'll see whether, in fact, well, he well, does space. So, yeah, sorry,
0: one other thing I want to mention. We, we've talked about kind of how other teams could should consider trading for dead Memphis. Do you think Sacramento should try to ride this out for a little longer and not trade him?
1: I do think that something needs to happen here. Now, Bielitza has a non-guarantee for last year. He's one of these guys who's been playing well. If he gets moved or is out of the rotation, then maybe there is more space for Dedman. Holmes, under contract for next year, then he's a free agent in the summer of 2021. I think it's pretty unlikely, though, that that third non-guaranteed year of Deadman is something that whatever team has him is going to want to get off of. Uh, with, that'll be his age 32 season. I think you definitely see what you can get for him. You see what you can get for Bielitza does seem like the King season has started really going off the rails. That playoff contention is starting to become unrealistic for them now if that trend continues for the next five, six games or so, and they're really, it's not going to be a chance that they can get back to around 500, which is probably where you're going to need to be, then I think you explore all options. But, I mean, they still have the issue of Marvin Bagley. This is the problem with drafting Bagley and then trying to build around him when he may not be that good. But if you're really going to give him a chance, I still think that Deadman operating at his best gives you a chance for that. And I don't think that they really have a chance, as Deadman pointed out in his interview, uh, to see whether Deadman really is cooked or not. So, I mean, if they know something about his health or he just has some mental block where he can't even shoot it all in practice anymore or something like that. But for me, I haven't seen enough to just declare him so different from the player who merited this contract to begin with. Uh, should, let's talk a little bit more about the Kings. Um, I mean, it's gotten so bad for Deadman that Harry Giles, who they have no investment in, they turned down his fourth-year option. He actually looked okay against Denver, got in foul trouble, but his ball movement uh, really helped against Denver's trapping defense. Uh, so he was even playing over deadman in that Denver game that they lost uh, Bagley. We mentioned his midfoot sprain deer and Fox missed time over the weekend with a sore lower back he did return against Denver I thought he looked limited I mean we just haven't seen those crazy athletic transition pushes from him this year I mean he was gutting it out I think he was trying he still helps the team as a but he was more in caretaker mode really but he, he is back no indication he's not going to continue playing and um where do you want to go next here
0: uh let, let's go to Salt Lake City um Mike Connolly is likely to miss more time and we're thinking talking more in weeks with this re-aggravated left hamstring strain hamstrings are trained is an old dunked on chestnut, but is for a good reason. And it has allowed Utah to go to some lineups that they're pretty comfortable with, you know, going back more to to ingles and other things. But Conley's absence is still really important for the Jazz.
1: Well, certainly to have a fully actualized version of this team, he needs to get back and be playing well but they've been playing better I think uh, without him and uh, as bad as he was playing that's not a huge surprise they're getting more out of Joe Ingalls in the starting lineup than they were getting out of him frankly uh, which is remarkable but they had a great win against the Clippers on Saturday with Donovan Mitchell hitting a bunch of tough floaters and mid-rangers to close out the Clippers their defense looked really good they held Leonard and George to like 12 out of 40 combined shooting looked really good Georgia by the way had a, a troubling quote that he still doesn't feel comfortable going through contact around the rim the way he did in Oklahoma city before the shoulder injuries. And for those who thought uh, George was going to come back, and play at that near mvp level that he did before he got hurt last year that has not been the case and in fact when george is on the floor without Kawhi leonard the clippers are i think even slightly in the negative which is not good uh but the clippers also saw patrick beverly leave and then return with a ugly looking right elbow injury finished the game with a brace some thought though that he might end up missing time there uh the washington wizards uh this will shock you Danny they have uh, some injury issues right now
0: they do and in terms of importance to the team we should start with Bradley Beal he has right lower leg soreness it's the same leg that he's had the those the stress issues with so that's definitely worth them being patient on and then. Uh, Well, well,
1: well, hold on. I mean, remember, we've been cautioning about this for a long time, right? Where he had these uh, stress reactions in his leg. He missed time in multiple seasons due to that. And he's come back and basically been playing the most minutes in the league the last year and a half in completely meaningless games and having these over 40-minute games. And now, I mean, they haven't detailed what this is, but it's the same leg. It's soreness. They didn't say it's knee soreness. They said it's leg soreness. Indications are it might be a recurrence of the same thing. So that's definitely troubling. I mean, we'll see. Who knows? Maybe he's back in a couple of games and it's nothing. But this was somewhat foreseeable uh, and definitely concerning but you know if only the medical guy reported directly to Tommy Shepard instead of instead of the owner maybe it could have been avoided um but yeah what, what else they got here
0: Davis Burtans and Thomas Bryant are about a week away respectively with uh Bertans right ring finger issue and a right quad strain and then Thomas Bryant had that stress reaction in his right foot and so that's those are huge losses team and also Rui Hashimura has missed seven straight with a groin issue he's probably going to be out at least the next week we don't know Exactly how long, and then Mo Wagner is still out with his ankle issue.
1: But the Poshniks era continues, Danny. That is the, the important thing here. Toronto, when last we spoke uh, about them on Christmas, I was killing Nick Nurse for pay- playing Pat McCaw 32 minutes as they got blown out. Well, he's continued to start, he played 44 and 37 minutes the last two games as they came back and beat the celtics handily in boston in a return matchup but he had a career-high 18 points stuffed the box tour a little bit 13 in the game after that so he's actually been giving them something here at so perhaps nurses faith and the organization's faith in him was warranted and i was wrong there and they still remember they've got everyone out here siakam marcus norman powell all out indefinitely right now so no indication that those guys going to be back pal it's the left shoulder subluxation a groin for siakam and the hamstring for Gasol do, do you need me to read the Portland news or, or can you handle it emotionally? You, you can you can read it so Scal suffered a knee injury against the Lakers It did not look good he had to leave the game his initial MRI was inconclusive due presumably to the amount of swelling he's gonna have a follow-up once that dissipates but he's at least out for the next five games not gonna go with them on their road trip could potentially be longer so as of now it's Anthony Tolliver, they recalled Moses Braun from the G League. I can't tell you anything about Moses Braun. I'm not familiar with this game. And Nasir Little, those are your backup bigs right now. Just absolutely zero traditional big play in that group.
0: Well, Moses Brown went to my alma mater, but he went there during the time I refused to watch the team because Alfred was coaching them, so I also cannot add anything. Um <laughs> But I want to I want to jump to to Brooklyn. I mean the ongoing Kyrie Irving saga is ongoing. Uh he's not making a, he's not making another road trip. Uh he's still not taking contact could be another two to three weeks for Kyrie. So I mean, Spencer didn't. done great in his in his absence. We'll talk about that presumably on the next fifteen and sixty. Um, but still, I mean, that's really it's really tough for the Nets to deal with all that. And but fortunately, Karis LeVert should be back in the next few games, recovering from his thumb surgery.
1: The ongoing saga is ongoing. Yeah, you know, what is the the Leonard Nimoy? line on the simpsons the timeless ballet goes on and yeah there's a report that he might miss two or three weeks Uh, they refuted that but uh boston robert williams left hip bone edema i guess that means a bone bruise he's gonna have another mri in a couple of weeks and once again they just really could use him and his athleticism and He's got all the chance in the world here, but it's really a shame that he's been unable to stay healthy. And Trey Young, probably going to miss at least another week or so with an ankle sprain. He had to leave the game against Milwaukee. They're already down 20 playing Milwaukee at home without Giannis and Bledsoe. And Kevin Herter started the second half at point guard with Trey out. So the Hawks now have no point guards available when you start the season with one. That is a possibility. And then Jabari Parker, a right shoulder impingement, and hopefully it doesn't bother him as much as Irving's shoulder impingement has, but he's doubtful for tonight's game in Orlando. That'll be his third straight missed on the sideline. Otto Porter, I recall that it would have been called a bruised foot early on. Hasn't played since November 6th it was reported and i should have noted who it was i i missed that that is a small fracture in his left foot which makes a, a lot more sense now of why he just you know has been in a walking boot this whole time hasn't been able to get back in the court but i mean if you just had to guess Danny, would you say he doesn't play again this year
0: yeah i mean it kind of does feel that way doesn't it i mean maybe maybe something like well after the all-star break if they just want to kind of see where things are but yeah. he auto porter has a player option for next year um but i mean having a basically a loss season is not exactly the way to lead into potential free agency even though there are a a dearth of forwards that could do anything so i i I wonder what he's gonna do uh tim
1: i don't i think he's he'll uh, i mean i guess the only way he wouldn't is maybe he comes back they might push him to come back if they're in playoff contention i mean they're up to the number four defense in the nba which is some just intense opponent shooting
0: luck there. Uh, that's yeah. something I talked a little bit about with Jared Dubin um, on Real Gym Radio this past week.
1: Yeah, I haven't dug into that. Uh, it, is it just a three-point shooting mid-range?
0: Well, it's, it's, so basically it was just a really sh- quick look on the uh, the that cleaning the glass, like difference between opponent location effective field goal percentage and then their actual effective field goal percentage. Yeah. It's like, I think it's something like 30, they have the worst location and then the number 15 opponent field goal percentage. So it's like, that's a huge swing.
1: Yeah, and a lot of it has been forcing turnovers i think to why they've been so good yeah and we had that with the grizzlies so it was earlier in the season i think it was was it last year might have been last year where they were forcing turnovers in like 19 percent of opponent possessions which is just you never see now the bulls number isn't that high obviously um dallas this could be potentially significant we'll talk about them a little later on since we saw them in person in a fun game on saturday night tim hardaway jr on sunday got a fast break dunk Tried to go in and really yoke it, and he hurt his hamstring. Couldn't really move for a couple possessions after that. Had to leave the game. So usually when a guy can't move like that and has to leave the game with a hamstring injury, it ends up being a, a couple weeks or so. And he's been shooting the shit out of it, as has the whole Dallas team. And it seemed to me that their offense really took off when he ascended into the starting lineup. And he's been shooting, I think, 43% from downtown. For Denver, Michael Malone gets another extension. I think this is just a one-year extension. They did this a little bit earlier in the season last year, but they're pleased with his work. And she had a conversation with a a scout about the Nuggets over the weekend, an advanced guy. And he was very complimentary of Mullen. We talked about the Nuggets uh, for a while and their defense. He said that actually offensively, he likes the stuff that he runs some of the set pieces uh, that he, he has opened things up to be a little bit more free flowing than he did in Sacramento, but in Sacramento, he would call plays pretty much every time down and but he really has good ATOs that can get guys the ball in spots uh, where they're comfortable. You know, he noted that they have a a play for Gary Harris that they run, that they get a bucket on pretty much once a game uh, based on out-of-bounds play. Um, And and I talked to him too about the Nuggets – defense and you know we were both very complimentary that he said hey you know what like their personnel is a little bit limited their scheme with the aggressive pick and roll coverage you know you might be able to exploit that but when you consider the limitations of some of the guys on their roster that he's doing an amazing job he gets those guys to execute exactly what he wants them to execute and even if your scheme and your personnel isn't that great if you simply avoid mistakes that that can make you a pretty decent defense and I I mean you can't argue with the results they've had the last couple of years given their personnel defensively even if again we might say that they've uh, benefited from opponent shooting luck the last two years.
0: Um, yeah. And and also yeah. something that Malone has done a good job of, in my opinion, is handling when there have been absences and that one of those is going on right now. Gary Harris was unavailable in their game on Sunday. So Michael Porter Jr. got his first NBA start and was co-leading scorer with Will Barton, 19 points on eight of 10 from the field, one of three from three in 26 minutes in their five point win at home over Sac. And, you know, I've, I've liked that part of it from Malone too. I mean, they they had that time when Millsap didn't play his first year year on the team and they were able to get through it well enough and so i have qualms with malone as a playoff coach but considering denver you know and and, and i mean it's I, it's not like i see the cronkeys like breaking the bank to get one of the like five best coaches in the league malone is a, is a good fit for what they're doing i think he's done a good job there so i'm totally fine with that
1: yeah and to finish up my my conversation it was what I kind of realized is, you know, he's not my style of coach. You know, he kind of, he's a little controlling. He's always preaching effort. He does the hard ass and the media act every once in a while, which I've never particularly cared for. But as that archetype of coach, he does it about as well as you could think. So, I mean, I've kind of predisposed uh, not to care for that style, but you know, you can't really argue at this point with the results of I me. Mean, I know I said last year that, when he got extended early, that I wasn't necessarily in favor of that. I didn't think he had done this amazing job, but I think clearly where they've gotten defensively. I also I talked to him a little bit about Denver's offense, which has come on some lately, but still is not where it was a couple of years ago. You remember when they were like second in offense and one of the worst defenses a, a couple of years ago? And Chris Finch, you remember, was there. Then he he moved on to New Orleans, and what the scout said was that with finch they didn't run as many plays as they do now they still aren't as rigid as malone was in sacramento but that finch was all about the free flowing get it to Jokic. we're not going to run any set plays we're just going to try and cut off of him and the other reason though that he thinks that they're not as ridiculous offensively as they were back then number one the lack of spacing we've talked about that but they need milsap for the defense you know milsap wasn't playing that much that year and because of the injury but also just the league is kind of caught up to the run dho's off of jokic out of the corner and deny those guys another tactic he said has been working pretty well is that teams when the guy does come off that dho with space out of the corner that they'll trap that guy and jokic for all of his brilliance he's not necessarily going to get right on top of the rim and dunk on you in that situation where you imagine coming off the dho at the elbow that guy gets trapped. Jokic rolls to the rim so quickly that he gets over there and dunks before the help can come from the weak side and said, if you need to bring help to the, from the weak side, you can, or he's just going to pop to 17 feet and you give up the 17 footer. But you know, that's not the end of the world uh, as a defense. So it's uh, a really interesting conversation uh, about the Nuggets. we talked for like 30 minutes about them. So I thought I would take a chance to relay that with the, the news that Malone is going to be in Denver for a little bit longer here what else we got
0: the houston rockets are dealing with their own injury woes uh in the game against new orleans russell westbrook sat due to the it being a back-to-back they were going to sit him anyway but that got exacerbated because james harden couldn't play due to a sprained toe and then Clint Capella missed it due to that bruised heel that was suffering i think it was a little bit over a week ago and we kind of said to keep an eye on it fortunately they did get eric, eric gordon back he looked pretty spry scored 20 points in 22 minutes but they did lose to the, the pelicans and in Detroit. Detroit they're dealing with a bunch of issues the I mean Reggie Jackson still he's going to be reevaluated at some point like but we don't really know where he is with this back issue Luke Kennard has is has been missing time and he's not we're not going to hear anything for him for about a week with bilateral knee soreness and then Blake Griffin sore left knee that's worth keeping an eye on
1: yeah I mean it's almost at the point where it's not worth keeping an eye on anymore because we just know this is what it's going to be. He's going to miss games periodically. Supposedly the MRI that he had was clean. hit three of 16 in a blowout loss to the Spurs on Saturday. Just has been getting nothing at the rim under 500 true shooting for the season. Still got the sleeve, uh, on that knee, and it really it, it doesn't appear like he's going to be able to get it back. I mean, I don't know at this point what they can do. You know, it doesn't seem like there's a surgery, whether the MRI came back clean or it came back as yes, you have no cartilage left, so there's nothing else that we can do. But it, it just seems like he's either going to be ineffective or missing games for the foreseeable future here. And this is year three. Now only of that huge contract that he signed the summer of 2017. And he basically gave you one year of all-star production for that contract. And it seems pretty likely to me that his time as an all-star level of player is over. Not totally for closing on it, but these signs are not good here. So with Blake doubtful to play tonight against the Jazz... Markeith Morris has a left foot sprain. Seems like it's been at least a few games for him. So, Christian Woodtime, he and, and Andre Drummond will see whether they actually play Drummond and Wood together. I don't think they've deployed many of those lineups or whether he's just solely in a backup role. But they don't. Remember, this is a team that doesn't even have any threes, not to mention threes who can play up to the four, at least that Dwayne Casey trusts. So it's going to be even tougher for him at this point with both of their traditional power forwards out. Uh, Indiana, Malcolm Brogdon. this is another one to keep an eye on here, missed his third straight against the Pels as they got blown out after a tough loss in Miami the previous night. That's now his third straight on the sidelines you recall he also had to miss time earlier with lower back issues all that of course is connected that posterior chain so hopefully this isn't going to be a recurring issue for him throughout the season but it- don't know exactly when he's gonna be back you would hope it'd be in the next few games but uh and then ed in summer had a chance uh, but had to leave the game with right knee soreness remember he's had a a ton of knee issues over the course of his career he got drafted as low as he did uh because he suffered a torn acl in college
0: oh one other uh, another running storyline through the league right now are um achilles soreness issues um in orlando aaron gordon was recently ruled out for monday's game he left saturday's game after 21 minutes and then in new york wayne ellington is back from it but it's kind of something to keep an eye on i'll stick with the knicks and then go back to the magic with the knicks ellington is back dennis smith is still out uh with with a strained oblique and not surprisingly he would like to be moved he's been marginalized and the knicks also just suck so they're going in that direction and then for
1: in fairness he did when asked about it, he did say, "No, I would like to stay with the Knicks." Uh, but there are also non-ass reports that he would like to be moved. But important, the, the,
0: is this the the shinning shining? We don't want to get sued, uh, do we? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then in Orlando, um, Michael Carter Williams has already missed a week with a left shoulder issue, and Aminu suffered a setback. Per Steve Clifford, he has a torn meniscus. Was it, it probably sounds like now that he was trying to avoid surgery that he will have to have that surgery, which sucks. And uh, Mo Bamba sprained his ankle on Thursday and is questionable again in their game against the Hawks on Monday. For
1: Philly, uh, Matisse
0: Thibel with that knee sprain uh, and bone bruise, uh,
1: there's hope per Chris Haynes that he could be back at the shorter end of that two to four week recovery period, which would be about a week from now. For Oklahoma City, the... Currently playoff position, Oklahoma City Thunder, and had a nice rousing win against Toronto on Sunday as Shea Gilgis-Alexander scored the most points by a Canadian in Canada. But Dennis Schroeder hurt his right ankle on Thursday, played on Friday, and had 24 points, and then got ruled out for Sunday in Toronto a day in advance. So sounds like maybe he suffered some additional swelling after playing on that and Danilo Gallinari also dealing with an ankle injury hasn't played the last three games it's unclear when he's going to return Billy Donovan Don played it at least as not a very long-term absence so sounds like he could be back soon but always uh, a worry with Gallo that he's going to miss time you remember he had that glute injury two years ago where he just it seemed like he was going to be back in a couple of games and then he ends up like missing basically the whole season
0: Milwaukee um Eric Bledsoe is probable to make his return against the bulls while Giannis is questionable to do that he's so he played on Christmas and has missed the last two since then with a sore lower back well I mean that's obviously important not only for the MVP race and for everything else and Carl Anthony Towns
1: well, well real quick on him I mean, maybe that throws some of his difficulties in that 8-27 Christmas game into a different light if he then is going to miss two straight games after that maybe that's a reason to have some more hope as a Bucs fan that you know Joel Embiid didn't just completely solve him I don't know if he injured it during that game I mean it seems like more of a thing where he's been getting some soreness. but I mean the Bucs they deserve so much credit for the way that they're able to just roll along even when Giannis is out Bledsoe is going to be back though so so uh, that helps them a little bit. Um, but yeah, you're going to move on to Minnesota.
0: Yeah. I mean, the Wolves have been in this serious tailspin, including losing to the Cavs on Saturday. Uh, a big part of that is Carl Anthony Towns has been unavailable. He is questionable with that knee sprain in their next game. And Andrew Wiggins is dealing with an illness as well. Can we... Uh, you're doing like some
1: betting now for Real GM Radio, right? Are, can Can we talk about that?
0: Uh, Sure. We can talk about it a little bit. That's fine. Well,
1: it was just funny being at the game on Saturday and... I think your two bets that you talked to me about at least – We're both i was like i mean i never look at this stuff but it's kind of making me want to now because (laughs) your your first bet was hawks going against a red hot bulls defense no trey young under 103 points i was like wow that's just like free money (laughs) like how bad the hawks have been without trey young on the floor going up against a a pretty good defense like uh, there is no way like their offensive rating without trey young on the floor is like a 90 this year
0: yeah so so that was one and then the other one was uh the Cavs were And we didn't know for sure at the time I made the bet that Towns wasn't going to play, though it looked, I mean, we kind of could read the tea leaves. I think the Cavs were six or seven point underdogs against the Wolves, and I was like, oh, okay, that's easy. I thought about doing Moneyline, but I, I did that instead. But yeah, it was fun. Um, I so I hadn't made any sort of wager in two months, part, largely due to the Europe trip, and then I'd kind of forgotten about it. So I'm just I just did six low low dollar wagers on the game Saturday when we were going to be at, at Chase Center, just kind of just to keep an eye on different things. I ended up winning five of the six, and the only one I lost was I did a preliminary one on the Blazers because I thought LeBron wasn't going to play, and he did. So that was really what happened there, and then and the Lakers won that. So I was pretty happy with that. And you know, the next time I find something like that. Hawks one, I think I'll hit it a little harder than I did. Ethan
1: Strauss also noted in his column over the weekend a a nugget from the G-League Showcase that a a number of executives said to him that Carl Anthony Towns uh, may be unhappy in Minnesota. Not a huge surprise when, you know, everyone else on his team is shooting 25% from three, uh, as we talked about on the 15 and 60. But hey, Carl, remember when you signed a full five-year deal instead of getting a four plus one? Probably should have uh, maybe got the four plus one. We'll see. I mean, now you can always... If you're really willing to Vince Carter it, you can always get out of a place. Um, but that's just, you know, something that Ethan heard from multiple people, but you know, that's always executives gossiping around the league who are just telling us this stuff sometimes. So I don't know how much to make of that, but it wouldn't shock me if he's kind of ready to move on there. Um,
0: well and, and I one, be, one of the I other big concerns for towns in minnesota is just how hard it's going to be for them to change directions remember wiggins is paid through 2023 and those two guys make about 60 million combined that rises all the way up to 67 million in twenty two twenty three, and then jang is paid another year like it's hard to see how even if rosas does a good job and drafting jared culver is not my favorite, is not to me necessarily the hallmark of a good job though there are lots of other things rosas has done that i like it's hard to see them like dramatically changing over this roster in the next couple of years
1: yeah i agree with you and they're they're not trending in the right direction towns his own individual performance is not trending in the right direction he's been it's interesting he's been questionable for the last few games it sounds like but I, i'm not quite willing to go there yet to say like oh he's extending his absence to, to stay out of there that's a, it's not to, to get out of there it's not the implication yet but you know if this drags on a little longer when he was supposed to come back seemed like pretty quickly and he rarely if ever misses games in phoenix deandre Eaton, another odd injury absence it's unclear what happened you remember he he sprained his ankle in his return again in their blowout loss to the clippers on december 17th that was his return from the 25 game suspension he practiced on thursday looked like he might get back but now he's getting ruled out way in advance again for these games so maybe he suffered a little bit of a setback but again that's one where don't know how long it's going to be for him new orleans zion williamson He's been dunking. He's been dunking Danny, uh, even off of, of that leg that he injured even did like a nice windmill so he's supposed to start taking contact in early January still looking at me like late January they will be exceedingly cautious but New Orleans actually playing a lot better recently they changed up their defensive scheme with the return of Derek favors they've actually been a top five defense since uh, he returned Uh, I don't expect that to continue but they are now going to more of a drop coverage with him they just didn't have a center who's really capable of playing that kind of coverage but favors is a good defensive player still doesn't quite have the bounce that he showed in previous years but as he's been able to work back after understandably missing a a lot of time with the death of his mother uh, as been able to get back in the swing of things that they've looked like a real NBA team after that 13 game losing streak
0: and there is enough time in the season for them to look like a real team long enough to make the playoffs which would be a really incredible story yeah I think they probably would have
1: to at this point have to hope for an injury or a trade from the teams above them as of now, wow, they're actually by 538 given 42% chance of making the playoffs. They're 11 and 23. Blazers only 48% now. 538 has been higher on the pels than lower on the Blazers all season. Blazers are 14 and 19. Pels are 11 and 23. Thunder 17 and 15, 76% chance of making the playoffs. 14% for the Suns, 10% for the Wolves, 7% for the Kings. I still am not willing to right off the spurs yeah i mean they're 13 and 18 so they're really only one game out of that playoff spot and 538 not a fan of them at the start of the season with their players not a fan of what they've done so far projects them to have a negative 4.2 net rating by the end of the season but they're playing a lot better lately and they had not quite as extreme of a turnaround last year but kind of a similar one i mean people were saying they were done when they were 11 and 14 and so i'm uh certainly down on the spurs overall but the popovich magic we've seen it before when they've struggled early in seasons so i i still think that they i kind of actually like their chances still better than the pels just because they've i mean 23 losses already for the pels that is pretty rough here.
0: last piece of news uh miami heat justice winslow it missed his 12th straight game on monday with that lower bone lower bone bruise in his back Sorry, lower back bone bruise, and uh, they're supposedly trying to reintegrate James Johnson and Dion Waiters, two of the Sour Seventeens that they have that have just had such a rough go of it, particularly this year
1: yeah but that said they may be trying to reintegrate them and i don't see how either of those players helps them right now they just even with winslow out they have quite the surfeit of shooting guards and power forward in miami so any observations that stuck out to you of some of the games that you watched uh, over the weekend or kind of free flow this uh, but uh wanted to get you guys an episode here didn't want to go too long without it we got of course uh top prospects top 10 prospects coming later this week and also awards coming later this week but uh wanted to keep current a, a little bit so any of the
0: action stick out to you over the weekend yeah uh for, for me i mean we g- came off the high of philadelphia putting together that crazy win over the bucks on christmas day a game we did for the nba cast and then on the 27th they ended up only losing by point to the magic, but it should have been a lot more. And you know, it was a reminder that while the, the Sixers have this crazy high ceiling and also, I mean, you kind of would know that a magic, a magic Sixers game would be gross. Like that's just, the, those teams are very talented defensively. They can give each other problems, but it was a reminder that while the Sixers can have those games when they're shooting, well, they they can't get beat. And then there was also this weird duality where the Sixers lost one point games on back-to-back nights and the Heat won one point games on back-to-back nights. One of which was against each other, that crazy, crazy game on Saturday night that Miami won, in know, overtime
1: yeah and the heat are now four games ahead of the Sixers in the loss column and Sixers are seven and ten on the road I mean that game was just completely batshit insane if you missed it on Saturday night which you probably did if you're like a college football fan you're watching that but let me just give you the highlights of what happened just in the last minute or so of the game first Joel Embiid hits a late shot clock step back to his right like a James Harden step back to his right for three over Jimmy Butler puts the Sixers up by five Jimmy Butler and the Heat get back into it but he only makes one out of two so after a, a Miami bucket he gets fouled hits one out of two the Heat press the Sixers might be one of the worst teams in the league against the press probably the worst team because Embiid has had a propensity to turn turn it over. Ben Simmons doesn't want to get fouled. He's their nominal point guard. Josh Richardson is not that great of a dribbler. Neither is Tobias Harris. Neither is Al Horford. Horford actually was sitting out the majority of crunch time in favor of Trey Burke in part because they just felt like they needed to get more penetration against Miami's zone which they largely played better against in this game remember Miami killed them by playing zone in their first home loss at the Wells Fargo Center so the heat press Sixers break it Tobias Harris tries to go in for a dunk up to 20 seconds left it bounces up in the air misses it off the back room Ben Simmons amazing play chips it to Joel Embiid he gets it poked away in a double team after just trying to accept the foul and like three guys surround him and they poke it away Tyler Hero gets it in transition he's inside the arc steps back it's a crazy three to put Miami up with seven seconds left then Philly tries to get a really nice ATO sideline out of bounds just inbound it right to the charge circle from B great play great pass but he drops it They lose it. Uh, Butler, one out of two again. So it's a two-point game. Ridiculously terrible foul by Goran Dragic.
0: Maybe the worst foul of the year. I'd have to think about it, though.
1: Yeah, I mean, he just reached in. Like, it's one thing if you're up three, right? But they're up two. Like, it looked like he almost intentionally fouled and just, like, reaches arm out. And Josh Richardson didn't even really, like, make a play to try to get fouled. He just reaches in. And with one second left. So Richardson goes to the foul and misses the first. So they're down two intentional miss situation he said later that he saw ben simmons behind him kind of on the right side at the arc sprinting to go in simmons might have gone a little early because you're not supposed to cross the three-point line until the ball is released but he just blows past Derek jones jr just goes right through him and josh richardson shot hits the backboard and we've seen so many times when the shot hits the backboard that it just only hits the backboard in these intentional miss situations we talk about it all the time. And in fact, it looked like that's what had happened. The trail official on the opposite side of the floor calls a violation as Simmons is tipping the ball in. And Joshua's just like, no, 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 no. He's like, starts running towards the official that, no, it did hit the rim. And the replay showed that it did. It barely grazed the rim and then went right to Simmons. And he tipped it. It was just beautiful, the best execution I've ever seen on one of those missed free throw plays. And so they review it. It's clear that it's hit the rim. I don't know. Actually, let me look up what the last two minute report said on this. So yeah, so here's what it says. It says, after communicating with the replay center, it was determined that Richardson's free throw hit the rim. The whistle occurred after Simmons released his successful field goal attempt and the basket is scored. This is clearly a just result. I don't know actually that the whistle really did happen after Simmons released his shot because in theory what should happen is it's an inadvertent whistle and then you have a jump ball and I'm also not sure where in the rules you're allowed to review whether a violation of the shot hitting the rim has occurred I mean ultimately the right result and I commend them even if it's not in the rules for getting the right result but I uh the whole thing was really weird and then it, it, in overtime Miami ends up beating them
0: also hilarious, Al-
1: yeah sorry go ahead
0: also hilarious that Miami winning a game significantly lowered their their clutch or their their uh, overtime net rating because they were like a crazy like plus seventy five before this one and then they just only were like plus a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, they're now six and oh in overtime and. So Al Horford finally gets put back in the game, switches on to Jimmy Butler. I liked that at least the Heat, you know, it was a tie game. The Heat didn't just run the clock down for Jimmy Butler to go against Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons did a really good job guarding Butler most of the night other than a couple of cuts that he gave up. So I don't think that Butler could get a great shot against Simmons one-on-one, but they set a screen, Horford fresh off the bench follows butler on the arm just the one thing that you can't do in that situation would have been a pretty difficult shot but a a decent look for butler and butler hits a free throw and that ends the game but yeah one of the crazier games if only it hadn't had that sorry ending with like a bad foul and it'll probably be one of my two nominees for the game of the game of the month uh later here um all right, this uh, as as it tends to has gone on pretty long here, but anything else you wanted to talk about? I, I promise we can be a little more brief than with that game, but I, I really uh wanted to get through that one because it was just such a crazy game
0: well being there in person the insane especially first quarter of warriors mavericks was was really fun d'angelo russell being completely unconscious 12 points in the first two minutes of the game and he ended up with i think it was 17 or 18 in the first quarter and then he ends up getting hurt in the third but comes back in the game and then dallas's offensive mojo just continuing to roll it was it was really fun to be there and it was a game that had pretty good atmosphere and chase for the time that it was competitive and then after that of course
1: yeah, I, I don't know if you knew this, Danny, but they had a uh, 176 offensive rating in uh, 18 minutes in the second half. All right, well, that's it. Well, uh, great talking to you guys. And uh, we will be back later in the week. Top 10 prospects in the NBA, followed by our award. So big rest of the week. That'll be after the first of the year. Talk to you all that. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich.